So wait, I think you have a really interesting story because first of all, you've been making content since you were 13. That's right. At least the earliest recorded content that I could dig up. Um, there might be earlier stuff, but I have yet to find it. So were you always super technical and all that stuff? Um, Gadgety, gamey, computery. I don't know. That's the thing. I The first sort of thing that really got me into computers was when I jailbroke my first iPod Touch fourth generation. Um, and that sort of led me down a path of I want to create apps and I went I went by that completely wrong. Um, I don't know when I really started to get super technical, though. Um, I think it might have just been. You don't think jailbreaking your phone is super technical? I mean, not really, because it was just going to, you know, jailbreak.me and and, you know, hitting a button. True. But the part so, that you're not telling the audience is that you're only two months old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that young. No, uh, no, I just meant that you were like a prodigy with this shit. Um, uh, I wouldn't say that. I would say it's probably just more of a very gradual thing that I've picked up over time. I don't I don't feel like I've just, you know, picked things up and instantly gone with it. I feel like it's taking a little bit of time, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not seeing it. So how did that bring you into deciding you wanted to get into web development and kind of teaching yourself? Because you're 100 percent self-taught, right? I don't really know, to be honest. Very early on, I did create some very basic sites. I use that term very loosely because they were like one page documents with a little bit of styling for um, for a Minecraft server that I wanted to start with a friend, which is going to be a recurring theme throughout sort of my past because it's always been Minecraft servers kind of pushed me along. Um, <laughs> yeah, first kind of site that I put up was really janky and it was for a Minecraft server that I wanted to start. Um, I didn't, I, it's, the details are really fuzzy for me. Uh, it was probably around that time that I was really doing a lot more YouTube stuff as well. Uh, you know, recording bots plays in Minecraft, um, sometimes with and without friends. But like, what was the appeal of that to you then? The appeal of, well, the appeal of Minecraft and recording that gameplay was really just to was really just to to have some fun. I really did quite enjoy it. There was a part of me that was like, oh, he is super famous doing this because everyone else is doing it. But in the end, that wasn't really feasible, um, not at least in my position. So I just I just kind of did it for fun. Uh, and that that was kind of um, just doing it for fun is, is kind of uh, how I like to go about things. And doing it for fun, like you were saying, kind of got you into web dev a little bit, yeah? Yeah, so from there, uh, I can't quite remember. I think I took a bit of a break from really doing web dev, and I focused more on Minecraft server stuff. So I did a couple of plugins for um, for different Minecraft servers. I worked on a couple with, with friends and met some new people through that. Uh, I didn't really returned to Wait, web dev until... I thought like Minecraft was like Tetris. I didn't know you had like plugins and servers and all this stuff. Not quite. <laughs> so yeah, so Minecraft open world, you know, do whatever you want, sandbox. Um everything is block based and a lot of exploring and stuff. It's it's a very deep and complex game. There's a lot of there's a lot of um 
there's a lot of stuff that you can that you can do with it and it being java it was very easy for people to really get in there and open it up and make it easier to modify um one of the things that they did was they developed third party third party server software that allowed you to build plugins in java so you could change behaviors of of items and and create new create basically entirely new worlds with uh with the plugin system that's what and the game has like an economy inside it and all that stuff or um just... not really it it depends on the server there's all sorts of crazy things that people have done uh the base game is pretty basic but they people sorry people pay for like plugins and stuff uh yes some people do do buy plugins they'll you know hire a developer there's i mean there's several huge servers that have gone on to do different things like there's the high pixel server which are there that whole team is working on a new like a completely new game um that's sort of based around their experiences as a as a minecraft server and and the stuff that they've done yeah so it's it's definitely a little bit more than tetris uh I, I'm actually slightly surprised that you haven't heard more about it. Uh, it's such a popular thing. I, I yeah, I'm I, I'm really uncool. I don't know what to say. That's really the only reason. I mean, it's all around me. I just um, <laughs> yeah, I just don't know like that much about it. Like, there's a couple of things like that that I, that I've like never done. Like, I've yeah, never that's, that's seen fair. Pulp Fiction all the way. I've never seen Harry Potter. You know, I I got to get on the bandwagon, and I think Minecraft is also one of those things. But it's interesting because I think there's so many like cool because i mean i got into computer from like downloading torrents and that's how i got into like writing code and stuff um so it's <laughs> always interesting to me to like see uh how people kind of uh like fall into their web dev stuff so anyway so you finished you were doing the minecraft stuff and then what brought you back to uh web dev um i was building i think one of the earlier things was i started building a sort of a control panel that would allow me to control Minecraft servers from anywhere. Uh, Cause there were a couple out there, but I didn't really like them that much. And also I just have a habit of just building things that I want, that I want to use instead of using what's already out there um, for better or for worse. You know, there's, there's always, um, there's always pros and cons to that, but I started to build that and that really pulled me back into the whole, um, web development thing it was originally built in node uh and unfortunately i don't work on it anymore i handed it off to someone else because uh, i didn't have enough time to maintain it and they've taken it in a different direction but yeah that was that was kind of one of the major things that brought me back if i remember correctly anyways i think my github does definitely give a little bit of a better picture of sort of my journey through um through web development uh yeah there's i have far too many projects on there how do we get people to your github uh it's just github.com slash gmemster uh and people who don't know how to spell that i can't blame you so i'm going to paste it into the podcast channel so that it can be included included in the show notes yeah uh it helps if you filter by source um i'll actually you know what I will copy that exact link. Um, yeah, there's quite a few of them, and it, it does definitely track sort of my my progress through development, um, starting with like a super simple C++ thing, and then moving up to 
you know, my, my, um, Minecraft server plugin stuff, uh, then some, some PHP experiments and eventually ending up where I am now, which is, uh, mostly go. So wait, so what was the first thing you learned? Was it C plus plus? Yes, actually. I don't, I didn't get a very good knowledge of it, but that is technically the first language that I started using. What was the first one that you felt that you were like, okay, I'm starting to really get this. Don't know the answer to that. I like gut reaction would be PHP, but that's only because that's sort of the first backend language that I really tried. And it, it did teach me a little bit more about um, web development. I guess, I guess if we're talking purely development wise, it's probably Java uh, because that's what I spent a lot of uh, early time with doing the, uh, doing the Minecraft plugins. Yeah. Wow. So that really, the Minecraft thing, like really informed, like kind of all the first programming languages you learned. Yeah. So yeah, I went from Java to Node.js. Uh, and then from there I was actually hired for a, or I was hired at a Minecraft server hosting company, uh, because I pitched them my dashboard and they liked it. So they brought me on. Um, and that really spun off and, you know, that was, that was my foot in the door. That was some actual experience in sort of the industry, even though it was sort of a smaller thing. It was, it was still that experience and that was super valuable for me. What was the first um, programming language that you had to learn that was kind of outside your comfort zone? Uh, I want to say it was probably Node and it, that is still like super outside my comfort zone. I don't. It's not that I dislike Node. I just find some of the some of the way that things are handled to be slightly more, I guess, obtuse might not be the right word, but I, I find it slightly harder to read uh, modern Node.js than something like PHP or or even Go. Uh, even though Go can be, why do you say that? I think what throws me off is the async stuff. I think that's really what gets me, and some of the some of the syntax as well is maybe not superfluous but feels it feels sort of like we did this because we can a little bloated maybe <laughs> eh, i don't know if i know enough about node and javascript to be able to say that bring me up to speed with where you got from the point that we left off at where you took that kind of first job with that was it a dashboard yeah, so I built a dashboard for Minecraft servers and a server host liked the idea. So I, I came on and I I slowly worked my way up to be sort of a jack of all trades. So I did, did some sysadmin stuff, a um, little bit of development. And from there, uh, I can't remember exactly what I did after that. I did end up leaving and focusing more on my full-time job. Was that a web dev job? No, it wasn't. I actually worked in a in a restaurant in back of house, which was, uh, I mean, it was super fun. Uh, it was a lot of a lot of good experience for sure. Oh, cool! What kind of food? Uh, all sorts, really. Um, mostly sort of West Coast species inspired. Um, so lots of lots of fish, uh, lots of lots of burgers and stuff. It was it was not like a fast food place. It was slightly more upscale still very tourist heavy so 
it was it got really busy sometimes we did a little bit of everything like weddings and and whatnot so it was it was pretty it was a pretty varied experience for sure do you miss that compared to what you're doing now uh <laughs> a little bit i won't lie a little bit what is it like the pressure the camaraderie yeah, a little bit of both. Um, I also really liked just how active it was and it really kept you on your toes. Uh, with something like web dev, it can be a little bit slower paced sometimes, whereas when you're in a kitchen, it can it, things can really catch you off guard um, and the pressure just keeps up. Do you think like learning to work under that kind of pressure helps in the web dev environment too? Because a lot of times there's crazy deadlines and... I don't know if you work in like an agile environment or more waterfall based environment, but deadlines can be crazy. Yeah, we do do we we do sprints and stuff. Uh, I think it the learning how to cope with stress in, in an environment like a kitchen does definitely help because there isn't a lot of breathing room. It is very much like, OK, it's dinner rush. We've got, you know, 15 orders in and we need to get this stuff out right away uh and that has definitely helped me especially in the in a web dev environment where it's not a con it doesn't feel like a constant pressure you know you can you can go home and and you know relax a little bit but when you're in a kitchen you know you're in the moment you're you can still go home and and relax but there's there's a lot more pressure in a very short amount of time so, okay, so if my mom was listening to this, and she always says this to me, too, um, and also, you know, so people who um, are kind of figuring out their options if they want to go into web development, if they don't, I mean, you are completely self-taught. You decided not to go to school? Uh, I'm currently going to university, but it is not for a, um, like a, a computer uh, science degree or anything. Gotcha. Um, well, what are you studying, first of all, I should ask? That's a good question. I'm I'm leaning towards politics, but we'll find out. <laughs> Ooh, hey, well, you got a good voice for it, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be something more like comparative politics, where I'm not actually running anything, but I'm pointing at something and going, "Hey, that's wrong, and this is why." <laughs> right, and you could be doing some data, some R. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay, well. Obvious question, like why? How come you decided to study that and not web dev? Um, it was actually a class that I took last semester that I found really intriguing. It was Introduction to Comparative Politics, and I really, I, I really enjoyed the class, and I also really enjoyed the professor. Um, and that sort of that influenced my decision a little bit. I didn't really have a choice with what degree I could take because I didn't really have the grades to get into a Bachelor of Science. But I did have the grades to get into a badge of arts, and that's what I'm going to be pursuing. So I may as well make the best of it. And I think I'd just get bored doing a, a computer science degree anyways. Um, that's not to say, like, I know everything, but it's it's more of a, um, like, it's, I'd be doing that basically all the time. And I wouldn't give myself a, a sort of creative break. Yeah. And I think um, at least college should be about you know, helping yourself to become a more well-rounded person. So that would be a lot of computer time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when you, um, when you show up at a, uh, job and you're completely self-taught, um, how do you feel, 
um, in regards to if you're around other people who have been to school? Like, how do you know? Because I often wonder this about myself, who's I'm pretty much also self-taught. Pretty much. I really am. But like, I'm always like, wow, how do I compare to other people? Like, I don't know because I've never, you know, coded around people or, you know, I've never learned around other people. I just kind of know what I know from how I know it. Um, How do you combat that? Yeah, so you really want to focus on, especially especially a job is is reaching out to other people and trying to collaborate a little bit more uh, so that you can build your skill set. That was I actually recently had a review at work and that was one of the things that that came up was um sometimes i i do just go off and do stuff on my own and and i think that's one of the things that comes with being self-taught is you don't have that same sort of experience collaborating with other people that a um a a sort of more typical education would give you or even force you to have but you don't feel like it it major it's like a hindrance i don't think so no uh I, if anything it's it's an advantage because you haven't been put you haven't been funneled into a single position you you've been given the chance to really explore all the options instead of just buckling down and focusing on one one thing and when you see other people code maybe I, I always wonder um about people who went to school for this stuff and i'm like hey like don't you ever have any chances to like play and explore and code something fun uh like is there something that you wish that people who kind of had a more traditional education with coding could learn from the other side i i just want to say like traditional schooling um especially with um you know, sort of older courses. I'm I'm not too familiar with the newer stuff, but it was sort of like this is they they teach you basically one language and some of the concepts behind it, which I believe was usually Java, and that might be switching to something else, probably JavaScript, I would imagine. But they would teach you the language, but they wouldn't teach you a lot of the the tools that are available around that language or managing your projects. It was all very um more technically inclined where you you learn about sort of the you know the language the the sort of background of it what goes into making a language all that technical stuff but you won't learn things like git you won't learn you know all the intricacies of uh an ide you won't learn things like like devops and practical you know very practical skills that you will pick up as a self-taught developer do you feel like that their education is uh like much more global because that's or at least that's what i'm kind of hearing that maybe they focus on the overall concepts but when it comes time to build something that's not really as helpful as you know someone who knows the details maybe yeah pretty much um you know you, you get all the theory but you don't get the the practical experience and that's that's especially in web dev that's kind of i don't want to say one of the most important things because uh, you know the theories and and the background do really help especially when it comes to solving new problems but you also need to know how to actually put those solutions and why would an employer um choose one person over the other well i I mean obviously i'm sure their education only plays a small well plays whatever part 
that particular employer is making it play. But why would there be any particular reason to choose someone with a traditional education over someone who's self-taught? I think it's mostly just their way of thinking. Um, you know, someone who comes from a traditional background might have a more a more academic way of looking at things, and and you know, they they might be slightly better at you know writing reports or or um, you know, like I said, collaborating with people. But I don't I don't know if that really out completely outweighs the practical experience of self taught. Uh, I know that where I work, it's sort of you don't get any you don't, you don't really get a preferable treatment if you are if you did go through a a traditional schooling it's they do definitely look a lot more upon your practical experience oh i mean and that's actually what i was gonna say is that, that i don't want to come down too much on people who have a traditional education especially me who uh you know i really want one not for the purposes of computer science and stuff but so i have a few friends i have one friend who went to an ivy league school has uh, a degree in computer science however uh, i don't want to confirm to he or she or they so i will say they um literally cannot code one functional thing um and i i you know i feel back to it seems like they spent all this money on uh their education and sure like they know a little bit more about hardware than i do and they know like the names of something but like they could never get a client and create a website for that client from start to finish yeah, that's that's sort of another thing with traditional education is there's so many different things that they they, they do kind of section things off. So, you know, you'll have your your hardware engineers, your software engineers, and then from there you'll have your your um, I can't even come up with the names right now. This is terrible, but you'll you'll have, you know, the people who who have learned the basics of a programming language and then you'll have the people who have learned how to actually build a compiler to compile programming languages and sort of design those from the ground up. Um, so it, it definitely is a, a varied experience. And Hey, I get it. Like, I think that uh, if I was 18, if I could do it over again, like I would want the college experience, but um, I, I also think it's fun to like, just sit down with a, a book or a bunch of videos and, you know, learn something over a couple months. Yeah. And speaking of books, like, I can't tell you how many um, how many books I checked out from the library on programming. I think hmm, I, I can't remember any of the specific names. I know that I did get out a lot of um, those how to dummy books. I can't remember exactly what the title is. Oh, my God. I did the same. I got those, too. Yeah. And those were those were super helpful. Um, reading is weird to say, but maybe not today because everything is shifting so quickly today, but back then it was pretty viable to just check out a book from the library. Um, especially for, you know, stuff like C and HTML CSS, you know, back then it was completely viable to just pick up a book because you know that it probably wasn't outdated and, and all that good stuff. I think especially now things are changing so quickly, you know, you've got, you know, a, a new JavaScript framework, it feels like every week you've got um, so many new advancements in, in technologies and, and it's, it's just a little bit crazy, to be honest. I don't, yeah, what are the it's weird to say, but I don't really want it to die off because it is, 
It's such a low barrier to entry language. And it's so well optimized for <laughs> for web development that I want it to stay and I want it to live, especially with stuff like PHP 7. It's doing better. And I feel like it's going to have a longer life than it would have if it had just stayed in PHP 5. I am somewhat holding out hope that that's going to stick around. There are a couple of things that I think are going to maybe drop off. Um, I, don't, I think Node is going to stay around for a long time. Um, Golang is probably going to stick around for a long time as well. So I think I think these new things that are popping up are more frameworks that are centered around the different technologies that are coming out now. You know, Node.js probably not going to go anywhere because used it's used basically everywhere, um, especially you know recently. I think, but I think some of the frameworks that go around Node are going to slowly fade out. Uh, same goes with stuff like PHP. I'm not going to lie. I think the true story of this podcast is the the love story between you and php i had no idea that you were jilted lovers i just thought that you hated each other from the beginning i don't hate php i want to make that very clear is i don't hate it it does a lot of things well there's a lot of things that doesn't do well yeah php has a lot of a lot of history uh we'll put it at that that make it it, it makes it Hard, it makes it, um, I guess, feel a little bit like there's a lot of technical debt, but modern PHP isn't as bad. So I don't hate it and I don't, and I hope it doesn't go anywhere because it is a really good language for, you know, low barrier of entry. You have, you know, you can, it, it it's interpreted, so you don't need to compile anything. You don't need stuff like Node, which is, you know, a whole ton of stuff and and takes a little bit of time to get something running. You know, you need to enter in a command or whatever. With PHP, you can just throw it up on a server. And as long as PHP is set up on that server, which you may or may not have done, that file is just going to run. And it probably will run with newer versions of PHP. It'll probably run with older versions of PHP, depending on the file. It. I hope it doesn't go anywhere, but we'll see. <laughs> So what could PHP do to improve itself in your eyes? I think, I mean, at this point, I think from PHP 5 to PHP 7, which is sounds weird, but it went from PHP 5.6 to PHP 7 for those who don't know. So they basically just brought the minor number out and replaced it. Um, I think some of the things that could probably improve is just getting rid of some of the older the older cruft that has accumulated over the years and they are slowly doing that i know that there is a proposal to get rid of some of the the older stuff that just straight up isn't used anywhere in computing these days so i think it's definitely going in the right direction of getting rid of some of that older stuff um i don't know if i can say very much outside of that is just getting rid of some of the older stuff and 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 maybe slowly we'll see some of the older misinformations of PHP go away as well. You know, stuff like um, stuff like, you know, how do I 
insert data into a database and then having you know a very clear SQL injection as an example. I'm hoping that those also slowly fade away as as time moves on and, and better practices are slowly developed. And they don't have like uh, PHP that kind of has all that old shit and then a newer one that's a little bit faster. I mean, that is sort of what PHP 5.6 to PHP 7 was. Maybe not as much as some people might have liked, but, you know, it's slowly, it's, it's, the thing with PHP is just a lot of stuff that, that relies on it. There's a lot of legacy software. Um, so I don't think it can move quickly. And I think having, you know, two completely different versions, one that has none of the debt and, and one that has, you know, most of the, most of the old stuff, it's just going to fragment too much. Um, I think they would end up going in very different directions. I don't think that's very healthy for PHP. I think it's it's better to sort of stay on one course, stay in one, stay in one language, um, and just sort of let it continually improve very slowly and giving people time to to maintain their stuff. Oh, that's cool. Well, <clears throat> and like I was saying, so you work in Drupal now. What kind of other stuff are you doing at your job now? So it's mostly Drupal. Actually, it's entirely Drupal um, because we are a Drupal agency. So it is all PHP. It's, you know, all Drupal. There's, I do a little bit of, of um, DevOps stuff. and But yeah, it is mostly Drupal or sorry, entirely Drupal. Okay, so if Drupal was a person, how would you describe them? The introvert who, you know, can do a lot of things, but but you know, requires a little bit of encouragement to really get out there. That might be how I, how I describe Drupal and, and as a person, maybe some other people have some different ideas, but. <laughs> no, because I feel like Drupal is kind of like a wallflower. Like you don't know Drupal's there, but Drupal will always like come in and do the heavy lifting. Yeah. And Drupal is used. It's slightly surprising, but if you go digging, Drupal is used in a ridiculous number of places for a ridiculous number of purposes. I think Tesla's website is built with it. Let me check the double check this real quick. Um, I also believe white whitehouse.gov and then the, um, the Royal family of in the UK. Yeah. So, I mean, it's used in pretty much everywhere, but you won't really notice it because it is so powerful and it's so flexible that a Drupal site can be pretty much anything. In today's world, I wish people were more like that and more unassuming and more humble. Yeah, and then you have things like WordPress, which I don't want to put words into WordPress's mouth, but it feels like WordPress is a bit more like the is the social butterfly, but they can only really do one thing really well. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because you have much more experience in WordPress, but I feel like it, it's it's good at one thing. But it's not super great at everything. Oh, it's definitely not super great at everything. Um, I'm not even sure if it's super great at one thing. I think like even the um, core code is like really like a tad bloated. Um, I think that what WordPress is good for is, you know, clients who are spending less than $5,000 and who, you know, need a, a shopping cart 
um, sorry, need um, e-commerce. They need a blog. They need a site that updates. Um, maybe it doesn't update that much. And, um, you know, I do turn a lot of WordPress sites into static sites. And I do recommend that for a lot of clients. However, you know, it can serve a lot of purposes for all those people. Um, and it's also something that I can do as a designer and a developer really quickly. So I have... So what I'm hearing is WordPress is a cheaper Drupal. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a cheaper Drupal. It's an, it's a more user-friendly Drupal. And um, it's, you know, after moving from Joomla to WordPress, it was like, oh my God, this is so easy. Like why? It's like ugly and weird, but like, why doesn't everyone just use this? You know? Um, but I will say, like, I did try Drupal after, not our last two podcasts ago, after, you know, we were all talking about it. And it's, there's a lot of plugins. I've, are they called extensions or mod modules? Like, there's a, yeah, there's a ton of them. And there, there's a lot of, like, really great, really, really powerful ones. And unfortunately, I installed too many and they conflicted and there was no easy way to turn them all off. So I had to delete the whole server and start again. But um, hopefully one day I'll figure stuff like that out. But it was really cool and it was so fast. Yeah, and, and stuff like Drupal, I mean, there's, like you said, there's, you know, there's no way to turn something off. Well, there is, but we won't get into that. That's very... Yeah, no, but, teach me later. Um, well, even about going into, like, the SQL <laughs> database and turning uh, off the module? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Uh, I do work mostly in, in the back end of Drupal. Uh, so, I, you know, I work on, I, I've worked on... Uh, I don't want to say a lot of modules because in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not a lot, but a fair few number of Drupal modules. So I'm, I'm slightly more familiar with the sort of the behind the scenes of Drupal. Um, and it's, <laughs> it is, it definitely encourages modules um, maybe more than WordPress does, but again, not super familiar with that. I would say, um, yeah, they, they're, they both, really i mean unless you just want like the most simple blog ever on wordpress like you def and it would also be just silly to do that in a self-install because there's so many um like security plugins that you need like i heard people in this the discord that we belong to uh the web dev discord shout out you guys should join it um talk about how they only have like one or two plugins in wordpress and i'm like how the hell do you do that i have so i have a site that's like really lean and it has 43 plugins however only like two of those plugins are for functionality the others are like security um you know um something that like uh, you know it's something that triggers the cron less and like all this other stuff so it's all kind of like back end um that's that's kind of crazy to me because i don't feel like i see too many drupal security plugins actually being used it's usually it's usually all rolled into Drupal itself. So um, it you don't require some dependencies to do a lot of the same stuff. Again, I'm not I'm not super familiar with the WordPress side of things and, and all the security stuff that goes into it, but it does seem like there is a lot more emphasis on just letting the security fall onto the modules instead of trying to build it themselves. Well, in my opinion, the reason for that is because, you know, at its core, like you said, WordPress is just designed to do one thing well, which is, and I think the understanding is that just be a blog, right? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Versus Drupal, I mean, I think is, you know, made for a CMS. It's a CMS. Yeah. 
Um, I've, I've pulled up, there's a couple of sites listed on Drupal.com, not to be confused with Drupal.org, which is sort of the, Ooh. the more open source side of things. Drupal.com is more for marketing. But uh, a couple off the top, off this website, uh, Tesla Motors, as I mentioned before, is built with Drupal. The MVC website, NBC, sorry, is apparently built with Drupal. Ah, the Peacock Network. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Grammys website, apparently. Ooh. Uh, Princess Cruises and a company called, I think that's Pfizer. Yes, they make all my medication. Yes, they apparently all of their sites run on Drupal as well. Shout out to Pfizer. Thank you for those clans. <laughs> if you go to their their uh, Drupal.com, uh, they have a whole list of, of people who use Drupal and, and um, you know, case studies People like The Economist, and I'm just scrolling through this list right now. So, you know, why some people are, will always ask, like, why would they do that? Why would these huge companies spend money and use an open source CMS? Like, why would they do that over custom everything? Because it's easy. Like, a CMS gives you a lot of same defaults. It gives you a good login system, user management, um, you know, same content management, which is sort of the key there. Um and a lot of the good ones are so open that if you do it right, nobody will be able to tell that it's that platform. I love that. Um, so what do you think for the people who want to get into Drupal design, Drupal development, kind of all that stuff, where would you recommend that they start? <laughs> so Drupal is a bit of a beast when it comes to getting started. There are some good resources. The Drupal.org documentation is usually pretty okay. Uh, there's Drupalize.me, which is, um, they do have some free tutorials. It's mainly a paid service, but they might have the most complete documentation and set of tutorials. Um, again, it is, I can't remember the exact price, but it is a paid service, but it's also really worth it if you're seriously considering Drupal. Uh, it's also worth just like looking through some source code of some of the modules or some of the themes out there. I know that my company has a really solid, a really solid starting theme uh, that really outlines a lot of the uh, a lot of the components of Drupal theming. I know that a lot of the plugin or a lot of the modules that I've done myself have been have been really looking at some of the some of the stuff that other modules have done and. And taking inspiration from that, which is one of the huge advantages of having all that source code hosted um, by Drupal in, in sort of one centralized place, as you can, you know, reach out and look through other people's uh, look through other people's code and see how they how they solve that. What about modules? What are some of the the best modules you've worked with? My own. <laughs> um, that uh, that's a hard question. I've so. My the agency that I work at does a lot of e-commerce stuff. So Drupal Commerce is pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's, it's perfect or anything, but it's definitely it's definitely pretty good with a little bit of of customization. Yeah. So Drupal Commerce, pretty pretty solid module. Uh, a lot of good. Well, I say a lot of good documentation. The documentation is hit or miss sometimes, but. Um, you know, it's it's pretty solid. It's a good solid base. It's big, so there's a lot of code in there, and there's a lot of problems solved. 
so you you do have a lot of chances to you know pull from things and and see how they see how they're leveraging Drupal to do whatever. Um, and yeah, and, and really, I, I don't know if I can name any one module that's like the be all end all. This is the best Drupal module, but Drupal Commerce is up there just because of how big it is and how much it leverages uh, Drupal. Uh, some of my own stuff is pretty good too, I guess. <laughs> Ooh, where can people where can people get those? Uh, so if you go to Drupal.org slash u slash gmem and I'll post it, it'll probably be in the show notes. Um, nice. Those are some of the modules that I've worked on. Of course, there's some stuff that you know isn't open source and I can't really talk about. But um, these are the, this is the stuff that is open source and that I am maintaining on Drupal.org. Oh wow. Yeah, there's a lot of Drupal Commerce stuff here. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what about the people who are like, yo, this dude has the best job ever. I want this dude's job. What do you recommend that they know? And how do you recommend they go about getting a job like yours, working with Drupal and working with all this fun stuff? Well, first off, if you're saying that my job is the best job ever, then <laughs> well, you're I'm insane. Saying that they think that. <laughs> yeah. Because it's Drupal. But if if you are thinking like that, um the main thing is to have well first off know a little bit of php know some of the practical stuff uh like git and you know some of the some of the development workflows and uh and and you know stuff like sprints and agile development and stuff like that um and also just having practical experience show that you're able to 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 have a problem put in front of you and be able to solve it whether that be, you know, a bug or an entire project, whatever it is, just having that experience, having having a portfolio, uh, whether it be on GitHub or, you know, just, I guess, a zip file of source files, which I wouldn't recommend at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just being able to, to show that you have that practical experience. And it's going to vary from place to place, of course. But, you know, just at least being able to demonstrate that is Okay, so if you can go back and talk to 12, 13 year old you who's uh, creating all this cool content, all this Minecraft stuff, um, and you're like, hey, there's these really cool programming languages out there that one day you're going to mess with. Um, what would you go back? Would you go back and change anything about the way that you learned what you learned? Hmm. I don't think so i think that the track that i've taken is is pretty solid maybe not maybe not the most ideal track maybe it could have been slightly better but also i know where i've ended up so i probably wouldn't change anything um there are a couple of opportunities that you know i i was younger i didn't really take advantage of i was carefree but looking back on i'm wondering what if i had taken that opportunity uh i'll give you one example high school that I went to smaller private high school. I only went there for a year um, because moved shortly thereafter. Anyways, one of the, or the IT guy, I should say was related, was related to me. And, and um, I can't remember exactly how this came about, but um, we got to talking because it was clear that, you know, I was, I was pretty well versed in, in computers and, he asked me to start learning MySQL, and I, I said, "Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll learn that." And then, 
kind of forgot about it because I was young and kind of dumb, um, you know, as you are. Um, but I, I'm kind of wondering, you know, what if I had learned MySQL and I'd gone back to him and gone, hey, I know MySQL, you know, now what? What, what can I put this skill to use? So maybe um, like a, a good advice to someone is to be open to the opportunities that you have. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If, if an opportunity comes up, you, you, you at the very least consider that opportunity. I think that's a good place to end. What do you think? I think that's a really good. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a hopeful story of the love of, of uh, PHP that just says be open. <laughs>